it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is a show about wrestling. And this week, we are going to be talking about Sid Udy, a specific part of his career. But before we get there, let's just uh, have a short chat about some of the recent WWE events and, well, some of the recent AEW events. Um, so AEW and uh, New Japan had their joint uh, Forbidden Door event, which was uh, a little over a week ago now. And uh, it was really good. You know, one would almost say there was too many consistently good matches on the card. Um, I mean, it was pretty stacked from top to bottom. Now, obviously, it was marred by, you know, injuries to a certain degree. Um, you know, CM Punk wasn't there. MJF wasn't there. But they still managed to put on a really good show. There was a lot of multi-man matches um, that either is your cup of tea or it's not. Um, but uh, there was a lot of really good stuff there, specifically Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy, I thought, was a standout. Um, it was good to see FTR win the New Japan Tag Team titles. Uh, Dax left with a shoulder injury, then came back. Um, and, you know, all signs point to like, they have three titles now, Leonard. I don't know if you knew that. They have the AAA titles, the ROH titles, the NJ. W titles and so all signs point to uh, a rubber match with the young bucks or like a winner take all type thing which is which the young bucks will win well i don't know about that actually uh, the, young, the young bucks record against ftr right now is 600 to zero no it's one one it's 600 to zero everyone knows this <laughs> it's as far as i know they've only faced each other twice and they've each won one um but uh, anyway uh the match for the njpw heavyweight title uh with jay white and okada adam page and adam cole was also very good uh, as was john moxley versus tanahashi um so like i said a lot of good matches one would even say they needed like a a, a breather match in there if, I, if i'm you know offering any criticism to the event you know it's just like when you see so many consistently good matches like that back to back to back um it's tough sometimes for each one of them to stand out in their own way, unless there's gimmicks attached. Um, but then, of course, uh, the Wednesday following, they had blood and guts. And uh, I had forgotten to mention that Cesaro, formerly Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli debuted at uh, the NJPW event against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, so he was then in blood and guts. And blood and guts was a lot of fun as well. Um, and... So the most recent event, though, of course, was WWE's Money in the Bank. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch that live. Leonard, what is your opinion about the Saturday move that they're making? Because I personally think it's a huge error. Uh, you know, I th I, on one hand, I think it's just commonplace that everyone is used to watching shows on Sundays. Now, I would be curious to go back in time to see if that was always the case, if big shows were always on Sunday or if they did big shows on Fridays or Saturdays, not just pay-per-views, but even, you know, like the, the the big monthly shows or super shows that territories would do, things of that nature. The thing is with Peacock or, you know, WWE under Peacock, it's available anytime you want to watch it. So to me, if you want to watch it Sunday night, then watch it Sunday night. Right. Well, okay. You have to avoid spoilers. See, that's where I was going to go with that. So, if yeah, that means anything to you. Now, to me, it doesn't. I mean, you can 
wrestling, TV show, movie, spoil it me for me. I don't care. It's about the journey, not the destination. Well, in, I agree with some of what you're saying there. So I generally, I'm not, I, I try not to let spoilers affect me. For certain things, I do think they matter. And in it, like if there's a twist in a movie, I really don't want to know that. Like, and, and so if there's a twist in a wrestling show, I'd prefer not to know that. And in the case of Money in the Bank, the first thing that the Instagram account and the Twitter account posted was who won and whether or not there was a cash in. And so I knew all those things going in and I much prefer there to be shows on Sunday simply because Saturday's a day when people go out and I don't really see the, like UFC has that market point. So why, why even try to go into that, that day? But let me ask you this, would, would, would you prefer say a random Thursday? Because who does shit on Thursday? I mean, it wouldn't be my favorite day to watch a show, but I would. It would be more convenient than Friday or Saturday. And also, too, aren't they starting earlier? They, yeah, they were for a while. I don't know if they still are because I haven't watched one live in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were starting at seven. Um, so yeah. that's the other thing too. If you talk Sunday nights, I know there was a lot of times back when I was watching pay per views regularly. You know, you have to get up for work or school the next day. Right. So you've got a four-hour WrestleMania going to after midnight. And it's the same way with, with other sports like the Super Bowl. You know, people start checking out. So even if they were on the Sunday, to me, I think the perfect time to start Eastern might be around four or five. Right. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Um, so, as I said, I did see who won the Money in the Bank matches. Um Liv Morgan won the women's money in the bank match and then cashed in on Ronda Rousey later in the show. And I'm get, I thought this immediately when I saw it because I had known who was going to win and I'm going to echo what Bully Ray said on his uh, busted open radio show, which was, you know, basically when Liv Morgan came down to the ring for the money in the bank, you could tell that she was going to win. Like you didn't know she was going to cash in obviously, but you could tell that she was going to win because she was almost in near tears <laughs> coming down to the ring. Now, obviously I saw what, who would win beforehand, but I was looking at her and you could tell, like you could just tell. And most people would agree with that. And um, that is much, you know, and I'm happy for her. She's from New Jersey. She's worked really hard and, you know, hats off to her. She's the champ now. Um, but that's a problem and people always used to say about um what's his name uh from america's most wanted and beer money not bobby rude the james storm james storm yes people would criticize him because they would say you know, you'd always tell when he was going to lose because he would walk to the walk to the ring with a, like the boo-boo face on and uh so anyway my point is you can't you got to control your emotions and obviously sometimes it's hard to do that but uh you could tell um and austin theory won the uh men's money in the bank and so he was a last minute entry last second entry right before i realize there's surprises in wrestling all the time but the way wwe is doing it lately to me just feels wrong um they're trying to hot shot angles because they don't got nothing exactly i hated the fact that he was just kind of put out there and there wasn't any reason given and here's why i hated it if you watch every week, I do not anymore, but if you watch every week, you're told that the Money in the Bank qualifiers are important. And what happened 
with this is they were basically telling you they mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not only because of Austin Theory, but because there's second chances, there's last chances, there's umpteenth million chances for these people to enter. And basically these matches mean nothing. And like to me, that I just the way that the Money in the Bank match has gone downhill cannot be denied. It just can't be. Like I wasn't a fan of one Brock Lesnar kind of just came in for no reason i'm a brock lesnar fan but i thought that was stupid too <laughs> so uh, i don't know theory winning i'm not on the theory bandwagon i don't get it he's the chicken shit heel they already have one of those i don't know why they need another the whole vince mcmahon backing him thing we've seen that ad nauseum in the past i don't i don't i think he's he's one of uh, you, you you could tell me if you agree or disagree with what little you probably have seen of him leonard but uh, he to me is nearing that channel changer quality where, yes, you don't want to like him, but I don't like him to the point where I want to change the channel. <laughs> right, to X-Pac heat as it is. Yeah. Now, again, as we've discussed, I don't watch any anything anymore week in and week out. And and with that being said, I would say that I am doing a, a pick em on Facebook uh, for WWE just for fun. I only missed two matches, and that was me not watching anything. And the two matches I missed were the Money in the Bank ladder matches. Right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, another thing I, I want to mention is fact, uh, you know, that I, as I've said, I do, I'm doing a long-term fantasy booking fad and everyone has like their own territories. And we recently did a super show and all the secondary champions were put into a money in the bank ladder match for, you know, basically the equivalent of the NWA title, what we call the UWA title. And you know who won that money in the batch bank ladder match? It was based on a random draw. Greg the Hammer Valentine. I'd be okay with him making a run in in this most recent event. That would be, I think that would have got a crazy pop. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, and so, yeah, it's worth mentioning that Bobby Lashley had defeated Austin Theory for the U.S. title earlier in the show. Yes, and I called that. I did get Lashley beating Theory just because. Well, because it makes sense. Nobody's, you know, that one made sense. But what didn't make sense was like, oh, we're just going to put him in this match. I don't know. I, I just, the matches themselves were okay. Um, the match of the night was the Street Profits versus the Usos. And, you know, even though with no suspense going in, because nobody in their right mind, I think, would have picked the Street Profits to win. No, if I remember from the pick and again, this is in with like 15, 17, 15, 20 people, I think. But, like, I, last time I looked, like, nobody had picked the Street Profits. And right, exactly. But they put on a hell of a show. And that, to me, was the match of the night. It actually surprised me how good it was, given that I knew exactly how it was going to end. Um, but anyway... Those are the thoughts on the most recent events. Uh, you know, I'm not a person that will say AEW does everything right, but to me, they're doing more right right now than uh, WWE is. Uh, so be that as it may. Um, Leonard, what's your one sentence reason why you didn't watch Money in the Bank on Saturday? I didn't know it was on. <laughs> that's that's a great reason. We're going to do that more in the future. Like if you <laughs> if you haven't watched an event, I'm going to ask for your one sentence reason. And you could even make it up. I don't even care. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was that? Was I doing something on Saturday? We actually, we went and saw the new You're Elvis. Watching movie. your hair. <laughs> we saw the new Elvis movie. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably definitely better than, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but. It, it was probably, it was probably more entertaining and more realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. uh, so the, uh, we have SummerSlam coming up. I think that's probably uh, the, the next one and it's it's almost like they're giving away what's you know the fact that 
some like that theory will cash in then on the main event which is i don't know there's just no suspense even with something that has built in suspense <laughs> but um anyway we're gonna move on to our main topic and that is sid in ecw perhaps you didn't know that he was in ecw well if you blinked back then in 1998 you might have missed the fact that he was in ecw we uh are more familiar with sid in his wcw and wwf runs but he has done a lot of indie stuff and he did make an appearance in ecw so yes let me stand corrected it was uh, 1999 that uh if you blinked you would have missed him in ecw but let's just uh give some quick background uh Sidney Raymond Udy was born December 16th, 1960 in West Memphis, Tennessee. And his career in pro wrestling began after he was trained by Tojo Yamamoto. And it began in 1987. He would eventually go on to be in the NWA in 1989. Um, he would, you know, before that he would have stints in, WCCW as well and uh, NWA Southeastern Wrestling or whether it, maybe it was called Continental Championship Wrestling. He made the rounds and so we're going to fast forward to 1999 and give you some quick background on how he got to be in ECW. So it was at WrestleMania 13th on March 23rd that Psycho Sid lost the WWF heavyweight title to The Undertaker, um, and The Undertaker would hit his finisher to pin Sid. That was a big night for The Undertaker. That same event, we would see Bret Hart and, and Austin have their uh, barn burner of a match. So after that, uh, Sid would make an appearance on Raw's War the next night um, after... Bret Hart attacked an, in, an injured Shawn Michaels in the ring after a face-to-face -face promo about Hart turning on the fans. Uh, following this, Sid was kept off television until the May 12th episode of Raw's War where he returned as a face. He would compete against Owen Hart and defeat him to become the partner of the Legion of Doom in their feud against the Hart Foundation. He would appear at the King of the Ring on June 8th where Sid and the Legion of Doom faced the Hart Foundation, uh, which included Owen British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart in a six-man match, and the Hart Foundation would win that. Um, on June 9th, Sid would defeat Owen on Raw, and he would basically disappear after that, and the reason given is a neck injury. Now, it's obviously he didn't do much after losing the title, and this goes into the folklore surrounding Sid, where you know, they, people call him Softball Sid, so, it, it you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's the comments that I've heard him make about that in some of the shoot interviews, he kind of, it's like beating around the bush a little bit. Um, there's never really a straight answer. I mean, he does play softball. So, uh, you know, one could argue that him losing the title and kind of getting pushed down the card would make him want to leave. Um, but it is worth noting that he did stay off um, any indie work for several months. Um, I think around, around six months or so before he would eventually 
pop back up, at least according to cage match website where, you know, he, his last match was at a house show against Owen Hart um, on June 14th. And then he wouldn't appear again until February uh, where he would be in uh, Mississippi with Jerry Lawler in a tag match against Johnny Rotten and Reggie B. Fine, which is a great name. Uh, And I I also see that he was, uh, he wrestled King Kong Bundy at the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl. Yes. That would have been. I think we should, we should uh, find the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl. And and review it. And review it or rebook it or do something with it. (laughs) I would, I would be, I would, I would be very interested to, to see who was all on that show and how that went. No, yeah, as would I. Um, so, yes, he would work for what was called Power Pro Wrestling in Tennessee. And so after that, he would show up in Extreme Championship Wrestling. Really quick, before we move on, I would just like to mention that the main event of the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl, the first one, uh, was Dan Severn versus Al Snow. And I think that that, could have been a main event anywhere in the world, right, Leonard? Yes. Apparently, there were several, several of these. <laughs> you know, I've got. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off on a tail. Oh, the one that Sid and King Kong Bundy was at in 1998. The main event was even better. It was Doug and Tommy Gilbert versus Buddy Landell and Dory Funk Jr. That's that. That would have definitely been an interesting match to see. <laughs> Okay, I'm out of that. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm done looking at the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl. Our Eddie Gilbert tangent is concluded. Yes, yes. So he would debut in ECW at Guilty as Charged 1999, Mm -hmm. um, January 10th, to be exact, where he would come out and defeat John Cronus in a minute 31. And so this was kind of the, you know, the MO for Sid in ECW. He would come in, he would destroy guys in a couple minutes, and then he would leave. And, you know, the fans seemed to react to him pretty well in the short time that he was there. They uh, ate him up. Uh, you know, I watched a bunch of clips, and we're going to get to those probably. But did he actually wrestle an actual match? I mean, it's according to Cage Match, these some of these were actual matches. The okay. one that's on here, like I watched a match with him in Skull Von Crush. Oh, yes, I did watch that one. I guess that was technically a match. Like the one that I saw that was listed as a match that I didn't realize it was a match was when he came out and destroyed the Dudleys. Oh, yeah, I didn't think that was. I mean, that's listed as being 11 minutes long. Sid was not out in the ring for 11 minutes. No, I thought, it, it, I know at the end of it, it turns into like Spike Pins Bubba. And I was like, Right, he was supposed I to be partners match. with Spike, I guess, but then yeah. he ended up destroying Spike. Yes, yeah. after they won the match, so I guess it was a match, you know, in, in theory, in that sense, in Austin theory. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, you know, I just want to say before we go on here is I, I as you mentioned at the top of this uh, topic, a lot of people probably didn't know it was an ECW. I didn't. Until we, uh, I believe this was a topic from good friend of the show, Ronnie. Yes. That, that I didn't remember either. I was in college in Pittsburgh at the time, and I did catch some ECW programming here and there because Hardcore TV, which was syndicated, was available in the Pittsburgh area on some local stations. Uh, but I didn't watch it regularly, and, and I have no recollection of it being in ECW. 
in, in, until we, we did this. And um, I, from what I found, Villa said himself, and of course I think you have to take this with a grain of salt, it, it seemed to be a handful of unadvertised appearances where he would basically just power bomb guys and leave, you know, like. Right. Yeah, and apparently there were some house shows he was advertised for, but that he didn't show up for him because, according to him, he didn't know in time. Which, which uh, kind of leads you to like the Paul Heyman approach to making money in a time when they were not making yes, money. Yes, yeah. Which is, I'm going to advertise this guy, and you know, hopefully fans show up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to prove that, I think you would need to cross-reference advertised shows with if Sid Russell elsewhere because he said he had other dates, and that's why he couldn't make it. So, I, you know. Get on cage matches and have crowd have to cross reference ECW shows with what Sid was doing, uh, and apparently too, what Sid talked about in the Sid uh, in this shoot interview I found was that there were money issues uh, where Sid had a check bounce on him, and Sid said he was cool with it. Just give me another check. Right. Again, that I think that's a hard thing to prove. Well, I thought it was very funny that the guy who was making a fuss was was Tommy Rogers. And yeah, apparently, uh, Paul Heyman was more scared of Tommy Rogers than yeah, yeah, than Sid. That he thought Tommy Rogers was going to legit kick his ass. And I mean, at least in every story, and like I, yeah. I like you, find it hard to believe that Sid walks into a locker room just chill about not having his money. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially as as big as he is, and and you know the way he could play a mean guy. But you know, and I was surprised to find that Sid said he enjoyed his time there and working with the guys there. He had good praise for most everyone. The only person he didn't like, it seems, was Bubba Ray, who we called a prima donna. Yeah. And I've heard other people say that. So that's not just it. I've heard other people say that they did not like Bubba Ray. They do not like working with Bubba Ray. So I found at least there was a grain of truth in that if you um, you know, compare that to what other people have said. And he would have stayed in ECW had Paul Heyman offered him a contract for like what was it, one fifty a year? I think it's something I don't remember why he said, but he said he would have been. And of course, I mean, we'll we'll get to that. But he wound up going back to WCW after after this point, right? And you know, so Leonard, do you think that he could have moved the needle, as they say, if he had been in a permanent fixture in ECW? I, I think to a degree because he had moved the needle when he was there in these sporadic unannounced appearances. And it is very clear from the videos that I watched that the crowd was rabid for right. Sid. They went ballistic anytime he would come out. Considering the fact that he was paired with Judge Jeff Jones, who was yes. who I had no idea was a, a thing that existed until we started watching this. I don't feel as bad then because I didn't watch a lot of ECW. Yeah. As I'm listening to different podcasts and stuff, I'm hearing about different people that were in ECW or made appearances that I just didn't know that they were even there. Like Terry Gordy, for example, I had no yeah. idea Terry Gordy was in ECW. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so Jeff Judge Jeff Jones was a heel. Right. And Sid's getting these tremendous face pops, and he's beating up heels, he's beating up faces, he's beating up anything that walks, and people are loving it. So I think the maximum potential you could have got out of Sid is have him continue this. And, of course, we know the doldrums that ECW was in in 99 to 2000. I think at some point you have to put the title belt on Sid. Yeah. And the question, now the problem, once you put the belt on Sid, yeah, that's going to move the needle, but then who's going to beat him? Right. So that becomes the problem there is how do you ever move the belt or what do you do? Because probably what would happen would be Sid would take a contract from WCW or WWE. Um, 
could be while he's under contract, could be after it runs out, doesn't matter. But I could see him leaving and then just leaving them in the lurch right. about what you do. Because even walking out the door, I don't think Sid jobs for you walking out the door. Right. I mean, well, unless it's to somebody like The Undertaker, I guess. But Yeah, someone of that nature. who He didn't have anybody like that. Have. No, no. Um, I, you know what, Mike Awesome? <laughs> yeah, he, he'd been in WCW by that time. I mean, and Sid was doing his same shtick just in jeans. You know, I mean, there was no new flavor to his character or personality. No, um, they just called him Sid, I, I believe. Yeah, no Sid vicious. I, although in the um, Bully Ray promo against him in that match that we mentioned, he does say something about how Sid thinks he's vicious and he's no psycho or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember that, yep. Does these little name drops uh, there. Yeah, he was just building Sid. And I believe, wasn't the, the the blue jeans like standard attire for Sid after this point? Because I do remember him wearing yeah. those in w, late WCW. Yeah, I believe, I believe you're right. Um, yes. Uh, so I don't know if I mentioned his last couple matches in ECW. Uh, one was at ECW Hardcore Heaven in 1999 against Just Incredible. Um, and the other one was against Rod Price. And I do not know who that gentleman is. No. I don't think I watched uh, that match. There are a lot of these clips available on YouTube of, of Sid and ECW. Right, because they're kind of like the perfect clips to have on YouTube because they're just short clips, you know. Right, everything I think was under five minutes, um, you know, very easy to, again, it was, everything kind of followed the same pattern. Someone would come out, they'd be right. a match on, or someone would talk, you know, I sentence you to Sid or whatever. Sid would come out, beat up a dude, choke slam him over the ropes, through through a table, and then they would crawl back in the ring, and then he would power bomb them, and then right. the crowd would chant one more, one more, one more, and he would power bomb them a second time, and that was right. like every single appearance. Yes, and um, the, I should have mentioned the match against Just Incredible, he would turn on Judge Jeff Jones. Yes, that match uh, at Hardcore Heaven. So, you know that is about it for his career in ECW because uh, due to the money problems that they were having, he said in his shoot interview that he was because he wasn't offered a permanent deal there, he was looking to go to one of the bigger companies, and so he would return to WCW in 1999 um, after Kevin Nash and Scott Hall kind of, you know, you you know helped him get back up there. And he would return at the Great American Bash in June of 1999, where he would join the Randy Savage heel stable team Madness. Um, he would eventually adopt the nickname of the Millennium Man and face world champion Kevin Nash on July 5th, 1999 on Nitro and onward and uh, maybe not upward, but onward. He would go in WCW until, of course, the infamous leg break. Yes. Again, against Scott Steiner. Um, you know, what, looking at my notes here, one thing I'd like to mention is that Joey Styles continued to change Sid's height uh, on different matches. I know uh, he, he uh, would call him anywhere from 6'8 to 6'10. Do you think he did that on purpose? It wouldn't surprise me. I, it's either he did it on purpose or he just didn't care. Like he was just yeah. ballparking it. Just ballparking <laughs> it. Yeah. 
That's funny. Well, yeah, so there's not much to add here. I, I do think that, you know, if you could eliminate the money problems that ECW was having, I, I think that Sid could have been an interesting addition to their roster because he was somebody that was still in his prime that could attract audiences and could adapt to that ECW method of, of matches. But, you know, it just, it didn't happen because they just, they weren't good with money. We've heard many stories about people having bounce checks and, you know, even though they were being kind of helped by WWE in a low key way. So. And to go off of what you said, not only could he adapt to the ECW style, but the fact that he had a completely different look and body type than what they had. Right, because they had a lot of, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a word, cruiserweight type yeah. guys. Uh, they had, and their bigger guys were usually dumpy guys like Bully Ray, guys like Amish Roadkill. Right, yeah, they would have guys that were muscular but maybe shorter and stockier. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a lot of different styles there. So here comes Sid, who just, you know, Paul Heyman knew how to book him, clearly. Like, he was booking him yeah. in a smart way. Um, so it would have been interesting to see where that would have led. But uh, as with many guys, it was just kind of a pit stop on the road to joining one of the bigger companies. Um, but it is interesting to look back on this. Uh, we always appreciate these suggestions from Ronnie, because especially me, because I, you know, like especially with ECW, because there's just not a lot of ECW that I watch because no. we were in college. I was a junior in high school at that time. And, you know, ECW was on at weird times. It was tough enough to get my parents to get one of the big pay-per-views, let alone to be like, hey, get, you know, let's have this uh, ECW event. Like, they wouldn't even have known what that is. So, yeah. Anyway, Leonard, final thoughts on Sid? You know, overall, I think it was a good use for him. He's an awesome-looking dude, very intense in his presentation, always connected with fans. But he was never a Mac technician. He never worked well in longer matches unless he had someone like Shawn Michaels guiding him. So short matches or short segments like this where he just kicks ass, hits the power bomb, and leaves, I think works really well for him. And, yeah, that would have played out over time. But as we were saying earlier, I think you could have rode that to a title reign, which I think would have moved the needle. But then the problem becomes what do you do from there. But, you know, what ifs? Who, who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah, for the short time he was there, I think it was a good use. As you said earlier, Heyman knew how to book to his strengths. And that Spike out. portraying a giant killer at some point, that could have been the guy who ended his reign, Spike Dudley. Yes, yes, I believe so. I don't remember if that was then or if that was maybe <laughs> It might have been some other time, yeah. In WWE, I don't remember, but yes. Um, so that will wrap up this episode. Let us know what you think of Sid's time in ECW and let us know if there's anybody else that appeared in ECW that you'd like us to tackle. Cause we welcome all those suggestions. And uh, Leonard, are you planning on watching SummerSlam? I am planning on watching the Eddie Gilbert Memorial brawl. Uh, all everyone I can find. Well, I, we appreciate that. And we, if we can find those, we will bring those to you. Leonard, I think that we should try to tackle, and this is me talking because I don't even like to tackle these anymore. We should try to tackle SummerSlam. All right. I will, for the, I will for the, go for the, for the viewers. I will go out of my way. I will suffer for you, the viewers, the listeners, and I will watch what will most likely be a terrible SummerSlam. <laughs> most likely. And it's in uh, Nashville this year. So on that note, let us know 
what you thought of our show. Um, whether you agree or disagree, please check us out on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Check out our Stupid Questions videos, which are also available on our channel. And for Leonard, my name is Chad. We will see you next week. And Alexa, we'll see you out.